Hello, I'm Greg. Let's have an inappropriate conversation about pride, which I'm going to approach from the angle of proud to know you. There is a level at which I've hit this topic before on inappropriate conversations. I think I've been fairly consistent in terms of dealing with questions related to homosexuality and my feelings about it. Past inappropriate conversations can be found on the topic in episode 37, Always Being Happy, or 43, The Content of Their Character. Episode 70, which was a feedback show, Your Points and Questions number 2, had some conversation related to my appearance on the Do Ask, Do Tell podcast, and their fifth episode, I think simply called Religion. More recently, in episode 106, The Violence of Denial, and 107, Eulogy for Homophobia, I've spoken directly, and confrontationally in fact, to people who identify themselves as Christian, particularly conservative Christian, in raising both questions about the hypocrisy of their position, while also freely acknowledging the hypocrisy of my past positions, and the evolution I've taken from high school and college to the place that I'm at today. Of course, the most recent entry is number 127, The Sin of Silence, and I want to get to that here in just a moment. But first, before I go there, I want to talk a little bit about Stitcher. Have you got Stitcher? If you do have it, you can find inappropriate conversations there. You can also find a variety of other podcasts on Stitcher, Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give some shout-outs to some podcasts today, and a number of the ones I'm going to mention are on Stitcher, and Stitcher is one of the ways that I actually listen to these shows on a weekly basis. Specifically, programs like Greetings from Nowhere, Secretly Timid, Game Night Guys, and The Seder Sphere. Let me also begin with a quick reminder that the third Minding Your P's and Q's show for inappropriate conversations, Your Points and Questions, will be recorded in late September, released in early October. So if you have any feedback that you would like to send to inappropriate conversations, either at IC underscore Greg from via Twitter or on the Facebook pages for either Inappropriate Conversations or Walk the Earth, or directly via email, uh, ic underscore greg at hotmail.com. I'll be gathering comments and including them there when I make that particular recording. I want to start this off, though, talking about the concept of pride by acknowledging that I'm coming at it from a perspective of absolute ignorance. I remember in 2009, just right after the month of June, hearing an episode of Nerd Hurdles called Pride and Prejudice. And when I saw the name of the episode, I began to wonder if it wasn't going to be the nerd hurdle of the writings of the Bronte sisters or Jane Austen. I had absolutely no clue that June was a gay pride month and that nerd hurdles might have gone to a gay pride event and chosen to record a podcast on hurdles related to pride in general and large crowds, in this case specifically, and even when the theme music was playing, I knew that it was unusual that they changed it up for that episode, but it didn't give me the immediate hint that it gave so many other Nerd Hurdles listeners. I was that out of the loop. So if I want to begin with any sort of authoritative voice on the question of pride, and then go from there to veer to my understanding and where my point of view has developed to get me to the place that I am today, 
I'm going to need to speak from someone else's voice, and I've chosen for this introduction Tom, whose Ramble Redhead podcast has been going on for eight years now. Now, I've only been aware of it for maybe eight months or so, but it's nevertheless been going on for eight years. And here's a clip, and uh, this is going to be a clip show on inappropriate conversations, so don't let the link throw you. It's probably more because of clips than because of me. But I want to start with a, a little piece of the Pride episodes that Tom released this year, in particular, 522. Ladies and gentlemen, we finally found the, the quote that I wanted to read to you, which kind of coincides with with some of the things that that uh, that George had mentioned. And I thought this was beautiful, and I shared it, and a bunch of people shared it. Um, but it is very, very good. Okay, here we go. Gay pride was not born out of a need to celebrate being gay, but instead our right to exist without prosecution. So maybe instead of wondering why there isn't a straight pride month or movement, straight, straight people should be thankful that they don't need one. And uh, I thought that was an excellent quote, and I shared it, and a bunch of people shared it. So if you want to put that on your own page, um, please do so. This represents a point of view that I've shared and that I am sympathetic to, going all the way back to maybe the first episode that I dealt with on minority relations in terms of what the tyranny of the majority is and how inappropriate it is for people who are in a position of power or privilege specifically to speak in terms of how you know it's wrong because they don't get theirs. And this quote directly addresses that idea of saying that you know if you wanted to answer the question of what a pride event is, it's a pride event that basically celebrates the right to be, the right to exist. And that is obviously consistent with the titles of previous inappropriate conversations, shows that I've mentioned. The Violence of Denial, in particular, was a very long episode dealing specifically with that notion of saying, hey, we have trouble when we have people inside our communities, inside our country, and specifically inside the church, who deny that people are who they say they are, or that there even could be such a thing. And so... My evolution from the perspective of pride hasn't gone from animosity to acceptance. It's really more specifically gone from absolute ignorance to acceptance. And I think I want to share a voice from a, a blog that I've enjoyed on questions of key political issues many times in the past. It can be found online at www.patheos.com. And I, I tend to view this as just the blog of Fred Clark, who's an outstanding blogger on these topics. This particular entry, which was published by him, called You Can't Deny People Their Rights and Be Nice About It, came out in June of 2012, and it's responding to an article posted online via Christianity Today, also in June of 2012, by a guest blogger named Haley Gray Scott on Christianity Today's uh, women's blog called Her Menutics. In that blog, Scott begins with the argument, I'm going to let you in on a little secret I've never talked about with anyone. On November 2nd, 2008, I walked into a polling booth in Glendora, California, and voted for Proposition 8. Why the secrecy? It's not because I'm ashamed of my views or regret the way I voted. It's because I didn't want to be associated with far-right pastors who preached hatred and violence against gay people. Speaking specifically of the kind of people that I spoke about, Charles Worley in particular, in the most recent episode of Inappropriate Conversations, number 127, The Sin of Silence. But instead of this being a you know person who's writing a blog to speak out against those pastors, you know, she does distance herself 
But does she denounce? Fred Clark has a different perspective. Here's what he writes regarding Scott and her comments. He characterizes her worldview as, can't we just agree to disagree respectively? Quoting Scott, I'm not asking for anyone to approve of or accept my views, but I'm asking for Christians to be kind to one another, no matter which side they're on. In particular, I'm asking Christians who support legalizing gay marriage to not assume fellow Christians like me are hateful, bigoted, backwards, or just plain mean because we oppose legalizing gay marriage. Now, this led Clark to ask the question, it seems churlish of me to not agree with this, to not agree with her. After all, Scott is willing to treat me nicely and respect my right to believe that she should stop beating that old woman with a crowbar. So shouldn't I reciprocate by treating her nicely and respecting her right to continue doing so? That's only fair, or at least it's perfectly fair in Scott's little world. A world in which the old woman being beaten doesn't even register as a participant in the discussion. She's invisible and unimportant. She doesn't count. Here again is Scott in her own words. I'm not asking for anyone to approve of or accept my views, but I'm asking for Christians to be kind to one another. She can conceive of two and only two sides. And neither of those sides includes the actual human beings whose legal equality, whose loves and lives are at stake here. Look, here's the deal. It doesn't matter if you think you're a nice person. And it doesn't matter if your tone, attitude, sentiments, and facial expressions are all very sweet, kindly, and sympathetic seeming. If you're opposing legal equality, then you don't get to be nice. Opposing legal equality is not nice, and it cannot be done nicely. Nice is different than good, but opposing legal equality for others is neither. It's unfair. It's simply unfair. Those are the words of Fred Clark on Pathios.com and his blog there, which I'll restate the title of because I think it tells a very good story. You can't deny people their rights and be nice about it. On a show where Bill and Ted's excellent adventure is up against Forbidden Planet, and somebody just voted for Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Welcome to Game Fights, the Ponzi Scheme of Podcasting. I'm David Shaw. With me, as always, is Mr. Mike Ortiz. So, what are we fighting about this time, David? Best sci-fi movie of all time. Best token minority. Best animated TV series. Listen. Interestingly, I have a fairly well-documented position on gay marriage, and it makes me wonder, was I just trying to be nice? Or was I drawing a line in the sand? The point of view that I've expressed on the Inappropriate Conversations webpage, www.inappropriateconversations.com, it's been republished elsewhere. It simply syndicated on, on their publication segments, their uh, blog area, simply read as saying, hey, I'm totally comfortable if we want to call the bluff of the religious right and say, let's call this man-woman thing marriage and let's call a civil union or something else the other concept. They didn't really mean it. It wasn't really my worldview. My worldview is much more radical than that. I've long said that I feel like that the state's perspective should be 100% civil union for all people, regardless of their gender, regardless of their sexual orientation, that the state should be out of the marriage business and that the church should be left in the marriage business, and that the state should have no role to play whatsoever in telling churches what they can or cannot call marriage and who they can or cannot choose to marry. Now, this would have the default effect of putting us exactly where we are today, 
where perhaps state by state, perhaps even neighborhood by neighborhood, you could have a different idea of whether somebody should be called Mr. and Mr. or Mrs. and Mrs. because the church is now the one who's conferring the title of marriage. Truth is, I'm very comfortable. If we go down the path we're going, we end up just saying, listen, if the state's going to own this, then let's call it marriage and let's treat everybody fairly and let's do it equally. But I had a much more, well, nuanced point of view. And the gist of that nuance, if you want to word it that way, was that I was going to draw a line in the sand and challenge any of my Christian friends to cross it. And instead what ended up happening was I ended up crossing that line myself. And here's what I mean. I've gone from somebody who did not know what pride was conceptually, just the vaguest idea of uh, essentially being a parade or a celebration, an assembly of people exercising their rights to freely gather and speak, but not having any, any inkling that I'd ever want to participate. But this year, for the first time, I actually did jump online and look and ask myself the question, could I afford the plane tickets? Could I afford the hotel stay for going to Pride 48 in Las Vegas? Now, why that setting and not something more local? Primarily because the people that I've met online, by and large, is how I've met them, are going to be there. And also because my wife enjoys Las Vegas, and so you know, kind of kill two birds with one stone that way. The truth is it couldn't happen because I didn't have the paid time off to make it happen, and the timing just wasn't right from a schedule perspective in other ways. So here I am recording an Inappropriate Conversations show, specifically timed to be released ahead of Pride 48 weekend in Las Vegas, which is the week after Labor Day weekend this year. And I'm doing so to say, hey, on more than just one level, I kind of wish I was there. There's a lot of people I'd like to see face to face. There are hands I'd like to shake. There are hugs I'd like to offer. And as we're going to find out when we get into the different drummer segment, there's a t-shirt I wouldn't mind wearing. I don't feel like I'm necessarily the right guy to wear the official Pride 48 participant t-shirt. I feel like I probably ought to be a guy wearing a shirt instead that says I'm sorry. We'll get there, though, when we get to the different drummer. It wasn't long ago that I had no clue what pride was, but there's a difference between not having a clue what it was, not being able to bridge the foreign language gap, per se, and having no sympathy whatsoever, having no understanding. And I think what I want to do early on here is kind of offer a few things uh, that are going to be sort of credential related. So again, I mentioned this is a clip show, and I've mentioned the word nuanced a couple of times. To me, nuance comes from the Nerd Hurdles podcast and conversations that the two hosts of that show have had on several occasions where um, Mandy will describe Jacob's position as being nuanced, but nuanced in a way that reflects that, yeah, it's borderline hypocritical. There's, a, there's an illogic to it. It might not stand up. There's some inconsistencies there, which Jacob rolls up into a big ball and calls nuanced, which, you know, certainly gives it credibility. It, it passes through the hypocrisy standard that way, as a sort of a, a stealth sort of an adjective. And Nerd Hurdles is one of the places that I've met people online who have a different worldview than I do, who've expanded my horizons and, and given me the opportunity to meet people who identify in different ways than simply what I would describe as the gender binary. It was a couple of years ago this September, in fact, we're coming up on an anniversary of this event, where Nerd Hurdles hosted, essentially, a gathering of podcast friends, most of whom had met through simplysyndicated.com in Toronto. Now, part of the timing of that was that the, some of the people from Starbase 66 were going to be in town 
socializing and visiting. I was going to be in town that week socializing and visiting, and the invitation was thrown wide open to anybody, other podcasters, certainly listeners, to join us in a in a bar slash restaurant in downtown Toronto and socialize. And you literally had more than a half dozen podcasts represented there, both with uh, the podcasters or some of them and their listeners. And this clip I want to play from Nerd Hurdles is one of those invitations for people to come and participate on that particular weekend, weekend of September 10th and 11th, a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, no, it's neat. I mean, I love the steampunk aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And every time I see it, I want to jump into that, that franchise. Mm-hmm. And whenever I do, I'm burned. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you could really rock your beard in steampunk. Yeah. I think you'd have to wear your hair in a braid, though. Ponytail, I would think. Or a braid. Certainly not wild man as you wear it now. No. Less hippie. More steamy. Mm-hmm. Mm, steamy. Speaking of steamy, on September 10th, Ew. we're going to have a meetup. We are going to have a meetup. And everyone should come. It's a Toronto meetup for the Simply Syndicated community or just mm-hmm. listeners of podcasts such as Nerd Turtles, Starbase 66, Atomic Trivia War 9000. Books you should read. Greatest events in sports history. And Gab from Inappropriate Conversations, mm-hmm. even though it's not a Simply Syndicated podcast. Still good. He's coming. He's coming. He's a friend. It's going to be awesome to have him and Karen and he Kennedy. Tell me that just because someone loves Jesus doesn't mean they hate the gays. It's true. And that's amazing because I have a pretty firmly held belief. You did. I still kind of have that. Uh, it's not an erroneous rule of thumb, I don't feel. No, and I think I'm sort of in that guilty until proven innocent state of mind, but I'm mm. not opposed to the idea that... You have to be a homophobe if you love Jesus. Thanks, Gab. Can't wait to see you in September. You're listening to Nerd Hurdles, the podcast that encourages you to dork in, nerd on, and geek which is slightly different from saying that it's been on my mind lately. But if you think of recording uh, episodes 106, 107, and 127 here lately, dealing with questions of sexual politics and equality and social justice, in the back of my mind, this little piece of conversation between Jacob and Mandy has just never left. It's always been there. Because I think that first, obviously, there's there's going to be a certain amount of ego wrapped up in this particular episode. I'm trying to convey that backward to people that I wish I was again interacting with this weekend and I would like to offer both my respect and uh, my camaraderie with person to person. But there's no way you can play some of these clips without there being a certain amount of patting oneself on the back. But I love this one in particular because of the way it handles the intricacies of saying, hey, if I've tried to be a Christian who's represented a completely different attitude, who's tried to do it Jesus's way, and that's shined through enough. The people who don't normally look for that shorthand, who aren't looking to embrace a Christian uh, Christian love when they see it, then I feel pretty good about succeeding. Because Mandy basically puts it on the line and says, hey, she had come in with a firmly entrenched position that to identify as a Christian in a public way meant that you were a bigot, or at least that you were homophobic, and that you were somebody who couldn't be trusted. And I did notice that 
for the first few months of interactions, or at least weeks of interaction with anybody on Simply Syndicated, back when simplysyndicated.com included a forum, that you'd have that testing out period of saying, hey, you know, here's this person. He's being real open and honest, and I think genuine about what he thinks. But some of the things that he's got out there are putting forth credentials, which set off red flags everywhere. That this guy is sometimes speaking in terms which sound a lot like the people who I can't trust to not be violent toward me, or at the very least, dismissive. And I agree with Jacob 100% when he reminds Mandy that, that her default position of assuming that Christians cannot necessarily be trusted, that she should view anybody who identifies themselves as an evangelical Christian as somebody who might pose a threat to anybody who has you know anything other than a heteronormative worldview, well, it's not wrong. It's not the wrong position to take. But it warms my heart genuinely to hear that you know, Mandy is one of perhaps many people who, at least in their relationship with me personally, have said, well, that's not an ironclad 100% all the time rule. And again, I don't take any credit for that myself. I really truly believe that I'm doing what I'm doing Jesus's way. But I also freely acknowledge that so few Christians do. So I want to talk about pride a little bit and, you know, again, not being able to be there. I can't offer any firsthand perspective. But I can talk about my own journey from the perspective of where am I now? Where did I start off? And how did I get to where I am today? So let me begin with sharing a couple of clips from Greetings from Nowhere as a podcast and let them talk a little bit about where I am now. Because I feel like there's a, a journey that I've taken, but that journey has landed me somewhere and it's landed me somewhere that I feel pretty good about. I feel very confident in my ability to love others genuinely and to not approach people with this sort of you know rubric in my head of what they need to be like and how I need to respond to that. Because the most important thing when you're interacting with people and being authentic with people is to say, hey, you know what? I can't ask you to look at me differently. And I certainly can't presume to play any accountability role in a relationship I may have with you if I haven't first accepted you as you are and asked you to do the same, which means I've got to be honest about who I am with you. And where do you land when you're done with that? You land in this place where this first Greetings from Nowhere clip really reveals the sigh or the quick breath that Nicole takes right at the beginning of this clip tells me everything I need to hear about whether or not I'm doing what I want to as well as I can, and that relationships are real and that people are, well, I guess for whatever word, happy to hear from me. Here's greetings from nowhere. We have a very special voicemail. It's from someone who we've not heard from before via voicemail, but we promote his show. This is Greg from Inappropriate Conversations. <gasps> oh my gosh. Hello, greetings from nowhere. Greetings. This is Greg from Inappropriate Conversations, and I wanted to quickly kind of call in and give a little bit of feedback to what I saw on Twitter just last night, uh, Christina being challenged by a friend over whether or not her perspective on marriage equality and other rights is being tainted in some way by personal relationships with people, and Christina, feel free to either use this online or not, on the show or not. Yeah, it's, it's personal, so it's, it's up to you. Oh, no. But I'm my perspective is that, that it's not that it's a terrible question to ask, but the person who asked the question has it exactly wrong. I think that any time you're making a decision based on the rights that people have or the quality of their life, where you're dealing with these issues of identity and insurance and inheritance and 
intensive care visitation and stuff like that, you can't do a good job unless you know somebody. That's why I constantly am asking my Christian friends who their gay friends are, who they know in the LGBT community. Good. Come on. If they don't know anybody, if they don't have a personal connection, whether it be with a family member or with a friend or a neighbor, then they probably ought not be so strident in how they speak about what rights should and shouldn't be given to people. Come on. It's really easy for somebody (laughs) to have a big nebulous day out there that they don't know anybody, and therefore they assume that every lie that they've ever been told about this group of them is true. What you've done, Christina, and what I've tried to do is to break down that impersonal pronoun uh, to give her they and to be able mm-hmm. to substitute it with people's names. And unfortunately, for too many people, especially too many people who are politically part of the religious right, they work very hard to never have that personal relationship. Yeah, they live in bubbles. They work really hard to put a barrier there because they probably know on some level that if what you're doing was denying the rights of, people of a human to, being, um, you know, visit somebody in the hospital and they knew the person. It was, you know, two people that they had a relationship. It was Frank and Louie. Well, they wouldn't say no to Frank and Louie. They just say no to everybody else. Right. And that's why <laughs> it's not hypocritical for you to have a point of view about, you know, the way our government is treating individuals, the way our government is treating Sally Wright and her partner right that's now. Horrible. That's not hypocritical. It's hypocritical instead to make sure you don't have any connection and therefore you don't have to have a personal opinion. When you're talking about, you know, the right to um, to live together, the right to share insurance, the right to share inheritance, it's always going to be personal. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, to call it anything yeah. other than personal would be ludicrous. So... Thanks for your show. I'm really enjoying it. And I just wanted to, you know, make my first call about something truly topical. And um, hopefully I succeeded. Thanks. I feel so much smarter every time I listen to him. <laughs> me, me too. Tell you, there's, there, there is a very distinct reason why I love his show. And it's because I feel smarter just listening to it. I adore his show and I love him. And part of the thing is, and I, I hope this makes sense is I feel like I have a brother in Christ who gets it. Yes. Does that make sense? And I, there are times where, and please people understand I was raised in the very charismatic, raise your hands, speak in tongues kind of culture. I mean, I will find myself in my car raising my hands. (laughs) Going, amen, (laughs) brother. I've got one hand on the steering wheel. But, you know, it's like, hallelujah, preach it, you know, because he's so (laughs) right on. I just, I love, I love, not just do I love his voice, but he's so, his vocabulary is exquisite. He his thoughts are very well organized and well put together. I wish yep. I could speak with just a modicum of the just the charisma and organization that he speaks with. I mean, I know if you I, get me on a tear, some people say, "Oh no, you've got it." But his are always well organized and well thought out, and they have a very definite conclusion. They don't talk them. He doesn't talk himself into a corner. There's real thought and behind his words, and I just yes. As my call into that show indicated, it was obviously me responding to a very specific situation, and unfortunately, an all-too-common situation. This connects back to Tom's comment in the very first clip I played today, where you basically had Christina hearing from people talking about their perspective on the exercise of privilege, 
and they felt their privilege being threatened because she was coming to conversations about questions of policy, perhaps even political issues, with the names of people she knew, and a passion that reflected the fact that if, if the court rules in a certain way, or if the legislature passes a certain law, that's not just nebulously dealing with some other group out there, some set of strangers who may or may not be dangerous because they're unmistakably different. She was coming at it with names, and that was threatening to them. And their response to her was, well, hey, you're just biased because you know all these people. I dropped a couple of names in that audio clip. It wasn't the kind of audio comment I normally send to a podcast. Normally, I would record an MP3 file and do a little bit of compressing of the sound myself and go in there and edit out a few things if I didn't like the way I said it, get rid of some ums. For this one, though, I was kind of keyed up because I'd just been reading some things on Twitter. And I literally came into my office a little bit before the start of the workday, shut the door, opened up my cell phone and made a phone call. So I was totally just winging it. But when I was mentioning people's names, like Frank, yeah, I knew Frank. I worked with Frank for several years. And you know, that's a real life example of somebody that I don't know anybody who knew Frank personally who would deny him any sort of hospital visitation rights or any sort of insurance inheritance rights with his longtime partner, Louie. Those are real people. And so often you meet Christians who, even when they tell you that they know people who are gay, they don't know them by name. Or if they know them by name, they don't know them by name the same way that they know the neighbor on the other side of, of their house or the way they know the coworker that they normally eat lunch with. I mean, I remember somebody, boss, telling me once that he had read the Bible all the way through. This was in the context of of him discussing Christianity with me, which I was happy to do, always happy to do it. And I just had to find a really nice way of saying that you know, Christianity is not about having read the Bible, and that I don't believe that there, I don't believe in magic words. I don't think that anybody needs to resist reading the Bible because somehow those words are going to cast a spell on them or something. That you can read anything from the perspective of benign indifference or actually hostility. I'm going to read this and look for all the things which I think are wrong so I can come back and write a critique of it later. Now, when I, when I talk about reading the Bible, it's a different matter. But then I come to it with the bias of being a believer. Speaking of that perspective of being a believer, the second clip that I wanted to share from Greetings from Nowhere talks a little bit about you know, what, what do you do? How do you hold your breath somewhat with people who, like me, aren't part of the community are outsiders to it? And do you worry when these kind of worlds collide? Christina, speaking on the show about, you know, what, what exactly is going to happen now that her parents are a little bit more involved in the rest of her friendships and not just the, the high, the way you share your high school friends really carefully. If you're, if you're a kid, if you're a kid like me, I was very careful about how I shared my high school friends with my parents because I wasn't really all that eager to deal with the disapproval that they would express toward friends of mine who like rock and roll music and also use drugs, as compared to the friends of mine who like rock and roll music and perhaps didn't use drugs. To me, if I'm going to talk about rock music with somebody, I really don't care what their race or their creed is or whether they're experimenting with illegal substances or not. And I just, I controlled that. Christina controlled it in a similar way. And the interesting thing is the turn that happens where Christina's sharing her perspective on expanding her world and sharing her openness to people of all sizes, races, colors, creeds, genders, and sexual orientations, and Nicole doing the same. Back to Greetings from Nowhere. 
conversation we had in the car afterwards kind of made me think because, you know, even I worried because I, I never brought, like in high school, I never brought my gay friends home. Like my, in, in my dad's view, these last three years are like a sudden run into the gay community that I've made that he just doesn't know why. And what he doesn't realize is I've had gay friends this whole time. I've just never been so like, I'm going to gay pride. I'm going to do this. I have, right. you know, I'm going to go travel halfway across the country to visit five gay guys that I adore like brothers, you know, like I've not done those things before. So to my father, this is a new thing that's developed in my life, but really it's just, I've had these friends, you know, not these specific people, but I've had gay friends my whole life and I've just never been one to bring them home. Right. I honestly didn't know how my parents would react. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, it's been interesting, you know, just for my mother, you know, to be having me involved with the gay community more, you know, her biggest concerns are always, well, I don't want people to think that you're gay. And I'm like, honey, nobody thinks I'm gay. Who knows me? (laughs) You know, it's, it's okay. Anybody who might think I am, once they get to know me, they'll see that I'm straight, but it's not a big deal. You know, and she's been really awesome for a pretty straight-laced Christian lady, you know, who's like, well, I trust my daughter and she knows what she's doing. And, you know, she's, anytime she's had, you know, gay acquaintances and friends, she's very, very good with people. She's always had to, you know, any good-hearted person who's actually following Christ will struggle with dogma in this arena will have oh. an internal struggle. You know what I mean? Until they really because get down. Because kind of been pounded into them yes. dogma wise. Exactly. Got it. Got it. You know, and until you're ready to kind of get down and dirty with the scriptures yourself and mm-hmm. say, the reality is here's the book printed. I can look at it, use my brain and make my own conclusions about it. Mm-hmm. You know, not a lot of people really want to do that. They're comfortable with where they are. Right. But, um, you know, challenging it, the, I, I didn't really have a choice. The Lord just kind of shoved me right, right out there <laughs> you know, with my Lord, atheist with friend and my Christina pagan, and TJ, my who pagan friend, in your butt pushing you forward <laughs> into it. Yes. I'm sorry to get like that, but yeah, I know it's very, very sweet. And you know, I've always had, I worked at Disney for gosh sakes. I've always been around very sweet and dear gay people. Yeah. So this is just, you know, really challenged my beliefs and made me go, I can't with the evidence in front of me of genuinely precious people, you know, who are gay it just doesn't work anymore with with what I believe mm-hmm. and what I know to be true about God and about Christ, you know, mm-hmm. being love and love being the number one commandment. You know, it just, it doesn't work. So you, you sound a lot like Greg from Inappropriate Conversations right now. I love Greg. I yeah. love him too. It's, it's super comforting to me as a Christian to hear voices like that, you know, that tell me I'm not crazy, you know, for what, for what, and I know for you, it's like, of course you're not crazy, you know, atheist girl. You you're know, one of those, thanks. Well, I mean, <laughs> but I totally get it. Yeah. You know, you're not crazy. Of course you're not crazy. You're fine. There's, you know, I've had conversations on Facebook with, you know, my Christian uncle who doesn't understand where I'm coming from with this, you know, and, you know, we're, we're cordial. <laughs> you're so much more accepting than I am. <laughs> oh, well, these are my people, you know, the, I know. The, I know. and, 
what I love is Pride 48 is my people too. So I can, I can love my groups of people, you know, and understand where they're, where they're coming from and know mm-hmm. that when I'm with this, when I'm with a Christian who believes the way I used to believe, you know, I have to be patient with them and I have to we share my point of view. You, Go, what? We don't hold that against you, Nicole. You've evolved. You're We're so cute. <laughs> well, you know, we all have to come from somewhere, right? Everybody has to come to things in their own time. You can't force anything on anyone. You can't force someone to believe something that they either choose not to or just don't. Right. You can't force someone to change a belief system they have. You know, everyone has to come to everything in your own time. And you've just come to it faster than some others. Sure. And some people will never get to that point. Well, I'm really, you know, I got to say thank you to everybody and the the folks I met at Pride 48 two years ago who were just so kind to me and so accepting of me as a Christian, you know, and non-judgmental. And it it was those kinds of attitudes and your attitude and TJ's attitude and the Divine Miss L's attitudes, you know, that made me go, "Mm, I got to get back to the book. Me and the book got to get together and talk about Mm -hmm. some of this because it doesn't it doesn't work with the Holy Spirit inside of me. Holy Spirit is ringing true in people who I've been taught don't have any truth. It's like, oh, wow. So I'm responsible before God for what I believe. I don't get to point to a pastor or to a book and say, well, they told me, you know, no, I am responsible for my beliefs before God. Small town quack from Colmas, yeah. We're sending you a warm greeting from nowhere. Two best friends with a lot to say about small town life in the USA. Christina and Nicole got gossip to share, and they're sending every one of you greetings from nowhere. I want to end the show later on today with another example of people who are in my group of Christians who get it. I've got a group of people that I interact with on a daily basis, which I don't expect to convert to Christianity. I'm not trying to convert people to Christianity. I want to understand things that I don't know today. And there's lots of things that fall into that, you know, that category of things I don't know today, not just things related to homosexuality and pride as an event in particular. But there's also people who I think do kind of understand where I'm coming from as a Christian. And there's that common link. Nicole mentions it here. Later, I'll have other voices sharing that same familiarity of saying, hey, I like interacting with some people online specifically because they do share my Christian worldview. And we sometimes do feel kind of isolated because in our lifetimes, Christianity has taken a turn. And as anybody who's been on the victim side of gay bashing will tell you, it's often not a turn for the good. And how do you handle that? Well, I've dealt with that firsthand before. I want to now get into a little bit of maybe of the origin story for me. When was the first time I can remember taking a chance, rolling the dice, and speaking up on behalf of gay people? Now, there weren't any homosexuals in the room at the time I had the conversation. And these views were not It wasn't an epiphany. It wasn't something that just came to me that I'd never thought of before. The views actually go all the way back to college. It had been expressed in various ways over, you know, various numbers of beers with various different friends over time. But for the first time, it was me looking at the older generation and saying, hey, I think you got something wrong with your worldview. And speaking as a family member, 
speaking Christian to Christian, speaking within the body of Christ, I've got some questions that I need to ask you, because the Lord's telling me one thing, and you, as the majority voice in the conservative side of the Christian church, are telling me something different. Which one's right? The Holy Spirit, or the way we've always done things around here? So to share where I've started, where was my initial point? If the words that I shared with Christina a couple of clips back represented a more mature perspective, a more solidified, tested sort of worldview from me, where was I when I first spoke up about it? And perhaps my confidence level wasn't as high then as it is now. Well, it was on an episode of Starbase 66. I played a clip from this before on the Evolution of Inappropriate Conversations, episode number 100. This is me having a conversation with Rick at the Admiral's table, so to speak. And the sound quality is what you'd expect from Rick and I sitting down with a portable recorder um, on a sidewalk on a hot Florida afternoon. She believed all the things that you're going to want me to say that she believed, but if you're asking me if I knew 15 minutes before she passed on, if, if she knew she was saved, I don't think she knew who she was. You know, so we don't we don't really get to make that call. Yeah. And um, to me, that's one of the litmus tests I use when I'm dealing with people. If they assume that they have some witness, not in the terms of sharing their own experience, but of, of observing someone else's salvation, I said, I, I'm, I'm out at that point. I don't think that any of the ancient prophets were sent to be eyewitnesses to somebody's salvation and say, yes, they said the magic words. <laughs> uh, I think that they were sent out to share their own experience, which was almost always very sci-fi yeah <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah I, I connect i connect with it in that regard i i had every now and then get an opportunity to speak at church and a couple weeks ago i did and i i shared with them that um you know that moment in the temple in the hebrew scriptures where isaiah encounters the lord himself he is so scared to death that when the angels say hey you know i've got to send somebody on a mission who should i send um what other answer are you going to give? <laughs> but, yeah, send me. I'm, I'm in. Because there's nothing I'm going to see out there that is going to terrify me as much as what I'm seeing right here. Um, but I used it as a joke to sort of say, you know, uh, there's a lot of people in churches today that when the question comes up, you know, who should I send, say, well, you know, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with the pew that I'm sitting in, <laughs> the committees that I'm working on. I think you should send Greg over there. He looks like he's looking for trouble. <laughs> so... Yeah, it, it's always an, an interesting thing when I encounter people because I mentioned once on the very old forums that we used to participate in. I've seen that old now, but you're saying <laughs> it's only been a little more than a year. It seems like a lifetime in some in some ways, and I mean that in a good way. Yeah. Um, that uh, I sometimes feel like I'm doing as much evangelism on Sunday as I ever do anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Sometimes my job is to be the guy sitting in the view next to somebody asking the question, hey, have you ever met a homosexual? Because you have an awful lot of opinions for somebody who doesn't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. You know, in fact, I probably did the most scandalous thing in my entire marriage to my father-in-law many years ago. This was before 9-11. So it must have been 1999 or 2000. Long car ride back from Niagara Falls. He took it in the direction of conservative politics. Ah. You know, homosexuality, <laughs> and, and let his opinions be very clear. And I waited until we got all the way back to my house, unloaded the car, and I asked him if he would mind sharing with me his witness. And I didn't mean it the way you might think. <laughs> I asked him if he would mind sharing with me, because his point of view was that it's not a choice, that it is a choice. It's all choice. No one's, no one's born that way, no one has a predilection that way. It's just a lifestyle decision. 
So I asked him if he would mind sharing with me the time in his life when he said no to the very real and viable temptation to engage in a male-on-male homosexual relationship. Because if you believe it's a choice, then you need to tell me about when you turned that choice <laughs> I never thought of that. <laughs> and I saw, it must have been right after the election, John Stewart had that same exact kind of conversation with Mike Huckabee. Uh-huh. And I thought... <laughs> why do we love John Stewart? That's why we love John Stewart. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like he's like the guy in high school who moves in and out all of those cliques freely and easily, totally capable of insulting the homecoming queen in one sentence, the captain of the football team in the other sentence, and still be invited to the cool party that weekend by both. <laughs> you know, but yeah, he he asked the same kind of question. I thought, yeah, I'm on the right track here because I that's where I'm going to encounter the people who don't think seriously enough to ask themselves that next question. Say, you know what? I don't know anybody who engages in this behavior that I've decided is the worst of all time. And to me, if you don't know any woman who's been pregnant in that terrible, terrible point in her life where she's got to decide what to do with a pregnancy, then you really shouldn't speak on her behalf. Yeah, yeah. Which I know is an opinion you've voiced before, too. Yeah, it's not something I'll ever have to first-hand deal with. I mean, we I've, I've had a couple of pregnancy scares in my in my life, and now we're on the opposite end of the spectrum. We're trying to have a baby, and it's just not working. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it'll never be something I have to deal with from the, the point of view of, yes, doctor, please do this thing to me, or whatever. So, yeah, it's not my place to say. Um, yeah, to me, there's so many frightening things that happen in the world, and a lot of the things that you'll find televangelists get uptight about are things where my heart immediately goes out to the person who was in that situation. Um, The movie Milk resonated for me in very powerful ways. And this is one of the issues where I'm very glad that I've met some of the people online that I have, because the people I run into at work, you know, they're not going to sharpen my sword. They're not going to help me think more clearly or be a better person, um, because they're just not going to encounter the the right people with the right kinds of experiences. But um, when I think about the movie Milk, the thing it drove home for me is something that I've always kind of understood politically, but I've never seen it on the screen before, and that's that conservative Christians like Anita Bryant complaining about the gay rights movement makes no sense, because she's basically the reason that we have the gay rights movement we have today. We'd have one, but the reason that it is like it is today is because she put them in a fight-or-flight situation, and you know what? I'm pretty much a red-blooded, typical American guy. You put me in a fight-or-flight situation, and you might be surprised by the fight. Yeah. Why would we think anyone else would behave any differently when, back then, people were having their jobs and their lives threatened? So that makes me a very odd Christian, I suppose, to some. (laughs) But, you know, on any given occasion, I'm sitting in pews next to lots of people who feel the same way, but just don't, never, never have the opportunity to share it. Do you love Star Trek? How about a good, scary movie? Do sexy warrior princesses haunt your dreams? Then you'll love Starbase 66, the international Star Trek horror and fantasy podcast. Join Rick, Karen, and Kennedy each week as they discuss your favorite and not-so-favorite movies and TV shows, only on the simply syndicated 21st Century Media Network. Why, hello there, Trek fans. This is Susie Flaxen, former Vulcan, half-Klingon, Lady Q, and nasty Andorian. 
I've rather recently written and recorded an audiobook ebook called The Return of King Lillian. It's a metaphysical fantasy for dreamers and nonconformists of all ages, and I'd like to invite you to check it out. Some have said it's a little like Alice in Wonderland meets Sword in the Stone. It's a fast read, it's a leisurely listen, and it's available on iTunes, Amazon, Audible, and at www.kinglillian.com, where you can listen to and read some excerpts. That's The Return of King Lillian. Thanks so much, everybody. Here's wishing you the happiest of trails and the sweetest of dreams. So two straight men sitting around on a afternoon in Florida, probably a July afternoon or June afternoon, having a conversation and really not pandering to anyone. There was no one within earshot of us. We didn't have an audience. It was him and I speaking from the heart about people that we cared about, truthfully. And how does that relationship of you know, feeling as a Christian, feeling that the Holy Spirit has said, hey, you need to get to know this person. Go ahead and trust that. Engage in this conversation. You got some things you don't understand. What do you do when you don't know the answer to a question? You ask the question. You listen. You use your two ears and your one mouth in proper proportion, and you spend some time learning. Not learning so that you can make a counter-argument, because you don't know enough to make the argument. In the work that I do uh, from time to time, I'm engaged in validating either processes, procedures, reports, or results. And one of the things that I always tell people is it's great if we've got a, a carefully scripted test plan that is designed to give us great confidence that the policy or the procedure we're checking is going to be perfect in every way. But before I get anywhere near that test plan, I need to poke at this thing a little bit. I need to ask a few questions, either of the program or of the policy, just to get to know it well enough, just to know whether that test script even makes sense. Sometimes you play around with a program long enough and your test script changes. It needs to improve. It needs to get better. The overall policy has changed, and there's some element that isn't included. And that's what this was more like. This was more like me and Rick talking about, you know, stuff, just you know, me finding out things about him, him finding out things about me, because we had mutual friends that it dawned on me really as a result of some conversations in that year that have to be very careful about putting their name online, that have to be a little bit wary about how publicly they share their personal relationships, because no one is going to hunt me down or follow me home on the way from work tomorrow because they're going to show me a thing or two or teach me a lesson because they disagree with who I live with. But we both had friends for whom that was a very real issue. And when we get to the different drummer here in just a moment, like when we get to the drummer here right now, I'm going to share that that is still true today, even for people who don't have a different sexual orientation. Our different drummer today is Janet of Christians Tired of Being Misrepresented. And we'll start with why I'm going to identify her merely as Janet. <laughs> I emailed Janet many months ago when I realized that this was going to be the topic I was going to cover on Inappropriate Conversations. At the time, I wasn't 100% sure that I was even interested in going to a Pride event in Las Vegas or anywhere else. But as it played out, I'm glad that I reached out to her early because in the time in between, my perspective on what I was going to be covering was going to change. Was it going to be a direct conversation, like maybe the first ever interview on Inappropriate Conversations? Was I going to make a trip and perhaps do some recording remotely? It didn't play out that way. But here's one of the things that she wrote back to me 
when I first inquired about having her be a different drummer. There's only two or three times I've ever asked the different drummer directly, but this time I felt like I really needed to do it. Janet's answer was this. I'm comfortable with you mentioning me by name and citing some things related to the origins of Christians tired of being misrepresented and seeing so-called religious right issues in a very different light and from a new vantage point. I won't provide you with my last name, however. I hope you can respect that. We've been targeted before when our identities were made public. Fascinating that even somebody who is heterosexual, speaking up for marginalized and victimized people in our communities, have been targeted before. Well, let me ask the obvious and easy question here. Who do we suppose was targeting members of a group called Christians Tired of Being Misrepresented? Do we think it was a group of radical atheists out to destroy any organization that has the word Christian in their name? Seems very unlikely. I'm going to share some of the policies and postures of this group here during this different drummer segment, and I think that's going to make it very clear that there would be no reason why there'd be a vendetta coming from people who were atheists or, frankly, believers of some other faith. No, this is talking about having violence threatened against you as a Christian by other Christians. Other Christians who would like to silence you because they don't accept your worldview. So the answer that I gave her was, I'll refer to you as Janet of CTOBM. It wouldn't be the first time for this type of identification. I have used this approach for Paul of Tarsus, Thomas of Aquino, and some of Aosta. I totally understand your reasoning. It is the same reason that I only identify as Greg on the podcast and the Inappropriate Conversations page on Facebook the same. When we lived in the middle part of the country, I distinctly remember feeling threatened even without direct contact or even any vandalism from a right-wing Christian group that had formed during the 1980s and called themselves Godarchy. They seemed very comfortable performing acts of violent confrontation for their dominionist cause. Starting this podcast a few years ago is the very first time I've spoken about issues like these since then, and the reason was that intimidation. So, Christians tired of being misrepresented, probably having a really good understanding, or at least enough of an understanding of what it's like to be encountering Christians at a pride event and holding your holding your breath a little bit and say, how's this going to go? I was shown a video in a Sunday school class a couple of years ago where a religious right group had formed a series, actually, of, quote, documentaries, unquote, talking about how their rights were being threatened because they were getting arrested at pride events, and they would show up at pride events to protest. And when you found out what they were actually doing, you say, well, yes, I can totally understand. Your right of freedom of assembly doesn't give you the right to destroy other people's rights to assemble. And if you show up after they've done all the necessary legwork to establish when their parade's going to be, where their event's going to be held, and then try to disrupt it, you probably should be cordoned off or removed or watched closely. And the irony is, of course, this was a group of Christians who were upset about being watched closely, specifically because they were engaging in activities that they intended to be their version of watching closely, a group toward which they held a significant amount of animosity. So if you've followed inappropriate conversations to any degree, any, any degree even mildly closely, you'll find that I have been really reliant fairly heavily upon Christians tired of being misrepresented early on. There is an episode, and I don't know the number off the top of my head, 
where I began with a quick five or ten minute segment introducing this Facebook page was what it was to me at the time. I'm now going to refer specifically to the blog, but when I think about it, a lot of the activity from CTOBM comes through Facebook. They truly are, for me, a Facebook community. Here's their point of view. If you go to Christians Tired of Being Misrepresented.blogspot.com, there is an About Us page, which reads like this. There might be some who misunderstand the name of the page. When we see the Facebook page, The Christian Left, they know exactly what that means. If they agree, they join. Or if they disagree, they join to spread discourse for the most part. The purpose of Christians Tired of Being Misrepresented is to bridge the gap between gay and straight, pro-choice and pro-life, to create a place that is welcoming for those who have been rejected, to stand up to the loud voices of extremism and say, no more. The creator of this blog and Facebook page spent most of her adult life as a fundamentalist, evangelical, conservative, right-wing Christian. Then, at the age of 46, the Spirit of God revealed to her, to Janet, through various circumstances and divine appointments that being gay wasn't a sin or a choice. In fact, there were gay Christians out there doing God's work, and the Spirit of God was active in their lives. I'm going to leave this topic for just a second and talk a little bit about the book of Acts. And somewhere there in chapters 10, 11, 12, where Peter has gone in to his part of ministry as an apostle with the assumption that Christianity was basically a Jewish sect, that Jesus had come to preach the right good news to the Jews, and therefore the Jews were the ones who needed to hear it. And Peter had to be told multiple times, not just by the Holy Spirit, but also by Paul and others, that his worldview was insufficient, that God had come to work directly in the lives of people that he considered, Peter considered, to be unclean, unworthy, and you know incapable of being saved. And here Janet is saying the same thing that Peter would say at the end of that passage in the book of Acts, that she has seen the Holy Spirit living, breathing, and working inside the lives of gay Christians. And that means something. Picking up with the About Us page, pro-choice wasn't as evil as she was taught either. Compassion entered in, and she realized that pro-choice didn't mean pro-abortion. God changed her heart in a supernatural way by revealing to her that those two polarizing issues were used to divide people, to create fear, and to promote exclusivity within the Christian church. We think some who come from a more fundamentalist background or belief system see the name of our Facebook page, Christians Tired of Being Misrepresented, and believe it's speaking to them about liberals misrepresenting them. Then when they joined, they realized this was not the case. We are Christians who are tired of being misrepresented by right-wing fundamentalists who have hijacked Christianity and over the course of many years made it into the complete opposite of Christ's teachings. Christ's main teaching was love your neighbor. Many fundamentalists today who have right-wing views are not living that example. We are here to expose the lies and misrepresentations made by the extreme Christian right. In addition, we are here to fellowship with those who have been rejected by the mainstream Christian church and to provide a safe haven for the many who are now considered heretics, and there are many of us. Luckily, I have not been directly considered a Christian heretic. Part of that is that I believe that I'm a moderate and don't necessarily qualify for the label of Christian liberal. But part of that is because I'm more likely to be encountering people on the other side, on the left, for example, who presume that everybody who is a Christian is a bigot, 
And so I'm more likely to be on that bleeding edge, trying to deal with people who can't accept the idea that you can have a genuine faith and still have the attitudes that I've shared on numerous inappropriate conversations before on issues like abortion, prayer in school, birth control, and homosexuality. I'm going to skip past the This We Believe page that's available on the blog for Christians Tired of Being Misrepresented, in part because I am a moderate, and there are certain things that they might accept that I don't necessarily feel exactly the same way about. The question of hell, I've got a slightly different worldview. That doesn't mean that I'm entrenched in the Christian rights position either. It's enough to say that on the question today of homosexuality isn't a sin, I'm on board with that idea. I'm certainly on board with the idea that people don't choose to be gay. This is very important because my ability, or frankly anyone's ability, to interact with Christians tired of being misrepresented as a community online depends entirely upon how we interact with people who are different from us. The page that I want to share, the last page directly from their website, is called Our Posture Regarding Same-Sex Attraction. And this is crucial. Because even if you were somebody like a guest blogger on Christianity Today, who had a very different view, but just thinks we all should be nice to each other, in some ways, this is CTOBM answering that question back, saying, here's what being nice to each other really means. It means this. We have come to understand that words, as innocent as they may seem, can be conduits of the love of Jesus, or they can be conduits that lead a young and vulnerable gay person to commit suicide. We know we have members or visitors here who do not post, but come here as an oasis, a place of comfort as they struggle with self-acceptance. We ask, we insist, that anyone who contributes be constantly aware of what you say and how you say it, as you never know who may be listening in a lonely, desperate state of mind. We heartily welcome any and all of you who are here to learn more about our gay brothers and sisters feel free to ask questions. We realize there may be many of you who are actually new to this subject. Maybe you are a parent who has just found out that your son or daughter is gay and you wish to learn more or ask for direction. You may have a gay brother or sister, or you may be hoping to help a classmate or friend. Maybe you, like thousands of other Christians, have been moved to look more closely at your own long-held opinions. This is the place for you, and we welcome you. Many of us already here have had significant changes in our views, opinions, and beliefs regarding homosexuality. We welcome you, and we are here to help you as you open your minds and hearts to those who have been marginalized by families, society, politics, and religions for too long. We pursue a Christ-centered approach to same-sex attraction, not a fundamentalist theological view, as was done with people of color and women in our church history. If you attempt to debate your opposing theological positions on this subject, you risk being permanently banned. Our brothers and sisters get enough bigotry on other pages. This page will not be one of them. I think the only word I would offer to that is amen. If I've isolated that different drummer segment, Without too much personal commentary about Janet, the creator of CTOBM, well, the reasons for that are twofold. First off, it's her call and I respect her call that too much biographical information, for example, 
could make her just as much a target as sadly so many gay people are today when they speak their mind or share their hearts genuinely in the wrong place at the wrong time to the wrong people. And what I mean by wrong there is not that we shouldn't be asking people to share their hearts genuinely. The wrong is on the parts of others. And there are two kinds of others who are wrong here, and it's so crucial that we understand it. Anyone who attacks someone for acknowledging who they really are is wrong and should be denounced. And every single one of us who do not correct, if not denounce, those people, who take a pass on the opportunity to stand up and say, that is wrong, this person is a you know loving child of God, worthy of our respect, if they've got a story to tell, we need to be listening with both ears to that story. We need to keep our mouth shut until we have an understanding. If we don't speak when the time comes to speak, it's the sin of silence I talked about last week. And it's a big enough sin that it needs to be repented. Here is the blog post from this year during Pride Month, June 8th, 2013. Janet, writing it from Christians Tired of Being Misrepresented, called Why Am I Sorry? I'm sorry, she says, because I used to be a Christian fundamentalist and was a homophobe. I never learned the word homophobe before and didn't know that I was one. That was until God changed my heart five years ago after listening to a gay Christian share his story. I realized that I was living in ignorance and that ignorance manifested itself in hate. I attended my first pride parade in 2011, holding a sign that said, Straight Christians ex-homophobes, we love you. This was a big step for me, but a step I needed to take towards reaching out and paying it forward. This year, I participated in the I'm Sorry campaign in my city. We made signs to communicate to those in the parade why we were sorry. I wanted to ask forgiveness for the hate spewed out by my fellow Christians. It's time that we begin the healing process. It's time to build bridges. It's time to walk in love not hate. I'm going to finish this blog post completely, and it's an entirety. It's a good way of letting Janet speak through the different drummer segment. But I will just take a quick aside here to say that, for me, the I'm Sorry campaign, were I able to go, were I able to participate, for me, the pride conversation would be I'm Sorry, not necessarily on behalf of others, because I can't control the others, but I am sincerely sorry for all the times that I have been silent when I shouldn't have, for the times when I have let others make their mistakes and not been necessarily that active in correcting them. Picking back up with the blog post, the following message was received by someone who was walking in the parade that day. It touched me deeply and confirmed to me that, yes, this is right. This is God. This is humanity. Here's what the person who reached out to Janet wrote to her. Thank you for being there at Pride this year. I had heard about the movement and had read about it in the news, but I did not at all expect my reaction when I saw you on the sidelines during the march. I read your signs and was hit by tremendous emotion and was moved to tears at the reality of it as I marched by. After years of being out of the closet and working in both education and advocacy to make the world a better place for all LGBTQ and allied folks, the impact of the importance of movements like yours hit in a way that I never expected. I somehow felt a touch of the weight of all that we as humans do to each other that is hurtful, and the importance of doing something positive about it, regardless of who we are or where we stand on any issue. 
the power of an apology is amazing. And even though I don't think I have met any of you personally, your presence and willingness to apologize for a history that you have inherited was truly appreciated. The Pride event is a way for many of us to take pride in who we are and to have a day where we are not overshadowed by the negative impacts of homophobia and other kinds of discrimination and hatred. It's a day of joy, love, shared freedoms, and letting the positives outweigh the negatives. Your presence is fabulous. I'm not sure how to fully articulate the complexities of how your actions are not only important at Pride, but also inspiring and indicative of how we all should live throughout our lives. Thank you, and thank you. This the blog post from June of this year, on Christians tired of being misrepresented, posted there by its creator, Janet of CTOBM. Hi everybody, Rich here. You know, one of the best things about Simply Syndicated is the great community of listeners we've got and all of the things you guys do to help us out. Something you could do that helps us spread the word about our shows is to let people know that you're listening on Facebook and Twitter. All our episodes have sharing buttons on them so you can tell your friends about us with just a few clicks of the mouse. Just visit our website at simplysyndicated.com and click the sharing buttons to help spread the word. There are selfish reasons for thinking about how great it would be to have been able to have attended Pride 48 in Vegas this year. And I think it's a good thing to be very transparent about that. One of them is certainly not gambling. Uh, gambling is not something I enjoy. A lot of the number one attractions for Vegas are not necessarily the things that I'm all that interested in. So the city itself holds perhaps less appeal for me than it does for some of my friends and even some of my family members. No, for me, it's all about people. It really is. I'm a podcasting aficionado, I suppose, certainly an enthusiast at the very least, and the chance to see shows done live would be something that I, I would not take a pass on given an opportunity to do so. I participate in a variety of podcasts myself, and each one of them brings a different dynamic, and I, I often try to participate as much as I can based on how often I'm invited, just because I enjoy the process. And so, I don't know, if I were there in Pride 48, would I be spending most of my time in the theater where the podcasting itself is being done, certainly there. Perhaps in the hospitality suite, I do enjoy food and drink. Uh, in fact, when I gamble, that's the number one thing I'm shooting for. I could really, I mean, it's not that I would turn down the money if I somehow won big, but most of the time, if I'm sitting in one of the big casinos, I'm pushing buttons just waiting for the next free drink. Uh, that's the absolute truth. No, let's be honest. It's really about the people. The chance to be face-to-face -face and to have that moment that happens for my generation, that my parents would never be able to understand because the internet has changed things in terms of being able to create relationships that are meaningful, where ideas are exchanged, which are in some cases perhaps even revolutionary. And to have that moment of seeing that turn from something um, virtual into something real. I've shared again in episode 100, the origin story for this show, my first meeting, my first simply syndicated meetup was just a two-person thing. I mean, there was an extra person that, that came with us and you know, sort of enjoyed lunch and all. But from a simply syndicated perspective, it was just two of us, me and a friend of mine whose sexual orientation is lesbian. Do I pursue that meeting with almost the casual air of saying, hey, this isn't about the politics or the, the gender questions related to it. This is just me and Karen. Karen's a friend of mine. That's the way it is. We're going to meet. That was the dynamic that was in play, but 15 years earlier, even a decade earlier, 
Would there have been a different question? Would there have been a different dynamic? I'm so happy to say, really so proud on some level to say, that those distinctions are gone now, and that regardless of sexual orientation or age or politics or anything else, I would be delighted to be able to shake Tom's hand and thank him for giving me the quote that I think provided the theme for this show, the coverage for this show, and also people that I've interacted with already online, even in clips that I've played here. Nicole's going to be there. Christina's going to be there. Their friend TJ may be there as well. Those are people I'd like to meet face-to-face. Nan from Secretly Timid has shared very openly online that she's looking very forward to being able to hang out with Brian Gregory from Gang Night Guys. Wholeheartedly. Uh, I think I'd have to figure out how not to be the third wheel, but that's a that's an encounter I'd want to eyewitness. I'd want to be a fly on the wall for that. And wouldn't at all mind spending just as much time with John from Secretly Timid and Curtis from Game Night Guys, the other hosts of the show, are going to be there. In the case of Secretly Timid, there's a couple who won't, but I wouldn't pass up the opportunity to meet those who are going to be there. There are other folks that I've you know heard a little less often and have a little bit less interaction with, but nevertheless, a chance to say, hey, I am aware of you, I have listened to your shows, and the only way to turn that into an I know you statement for some of those other people that I haven't already named by name, the only way to turn that corner and say, you know, where's the Twitter relationship more personal? It would, it would almost require a face-to-face meeting to be able to, to shake a hand, offer a hug or something, and say, hey, this is real. There are real people involved here who have on their own independently shared their real thoughts and feelings and are here to celebrate their right to share those real thoughts and feelings. And I certainly, given the choice, would want to validate that. Now, as a Christian, do I have an agenda here? Yeah, I do. Again, in the interest of being fully transparent. You know, I think the most important thing, and the thing that Jesus demonstrated over and over again, is he's going out. He's walking the earth. And he's going to encounter a Samaritan woman at the well, who his followers are going to say, hey, hey, you shouldn't be talking to her. A, we're in Samaria. That's a problem. So she's a Samaritan. B, she's a woman. That's a problem because there's a lot of gender exclusivity, um, really, in religion, even to this very day. And certainly there was at the time in Judaism. And not only that, she's an unmarried woman who's had several relationships and has a reputation about town. So even if he decided that there wasn't some sort of gender barrier, this is the wrong woman to test that with. So there was all kinds of people who had been very quick to tell Jesus who he should not be rubbing elbows with. And almost without exception, Jesus ignored those voices. Boy, I'd like to be able to ignore those voices. I don't know what situations or circumstances would put me in the path of a pride parade in the future. But whatever those situations and circumstances are, there's a barrier that just kind of, without me thinking about it, has dropped. There was a time when I would have said, hey, I fully support the rights of everybody. I am energetically committed to my friends and my relationship with them and their well-being. But I'm sure a pride parade or participating in an event, even going to the beer garden, as described by Nerd Hurdles and their Pride and Prejudice show very early on in the first year of that program, yeah, I might have taken a pass on that. I don't know why. Not sure I would have. But I'm guessing that perhaps some level of baseline heterosexual man homophobia has dropped over time. Dropped to the point where it doesn't even seem like a question to me anymore. 
And if that's true, and I certainly hope that it's true, a lot of it has to do with the people that I've met. They've done two things that are really important. First, they've been genuine. And second, they've been kind. I want to close out my clip show today with a couple of examples, specifically from Secretly Timid, talking first about really some of those those genuine things. I mentioned earlier with Nicole what it's like to have another Christian who says, hey, this guy gets me. He thinks like I think. We're on the same wavelength. Well, the first clip I want to share from Secretly Timid was the opposite. It was me listening to the Secretly Timid show and the bell going off you know, in my ears saying, hey, Nan is going to get me. She understands where I'm coming from. She, like me, has had these experiences that you almost can't share with the general public because people who do not have you know, a faith, people who don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, simply can't be expected to believe it. Here's Secretly Timid. Like, if you were having sex to have a child, would you treat it differently? No. But, like, so you're fine with, with like, you were the product of, like, really dirty I hope style so. And, like, spanking the I ass so. and, like, take it. I hope so. I'll ask my parents next time I see them. Can we record conceived. that? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about the night, Daddy, when I was conceived. My dad, when I was, my parents got pregnant with my sister when I was five. And I remember we were getting ready to like go to church, and my mom's pregnant. And I said, "Hey, Dad, um, how did, where do babies come from?" And my dad goes, "Well, when mummies and daddies love each other very much." <laughs> and I proceeded to be petrified of like if I had even the slightest stirring of a feeling for a boy for years after that. I was like, "Fuck, fuck, 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 fuck! I'm gonna get pregnant!" Like I was just petrified. These loving feelings were just going to spontaneously make me pregnant, you know, and. No, that's not how it works though, apparently. Apparently. Yeah. But yeah, I hope I mean I, I I don't understand the I don't understand it's kinda like the whole boobs thing, you know, like people don't want you breastfeeding in public because boobs are just sexy Sexual, and pornographic. Yeah, right. They're not I mean, but they're not. I don't they're care. I don't think I think some of them just downright turn me off. <laughs> well, I don't know if you're the target audience. I know, but like I've seen pregnant boobies and those things look weird. Like big nipples. Well, no one's whipping their pregnant boobies out in public. Well, they're post-pregnant. Oh, I, I, I meant post-pregnant boobies, like but, breastfeeding boobies. But this whole idea that it's like the boobs are either sexual or they're for the baby, but the whole idea that they could be for both just weirds people out. It's not like it's almost like people find it almost like involving your child in a sex act, and mm-hmm. it's not like only if just, they're like five years old. That's weird. <laughs> Yeah, that, that that's that would be a that is I, I I don't think I would ever let it go that long. Yeah, but I'm you just, don't think <laughs> so. There's a margin of <laughs> well, error. John, there. I don't think I'm ever going to have any fucking children because I. Well, find if the you whole keep on having the sex that you have, you will. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to have to leave it there. Oh, I forgot. I didn't talk about my dry cleaning. Experience. Oh, how old were you when you lost your virginity? Since you're going to be all I nosy. was. 19 me too and I yeah i was older i was old, most yeah. of my friends lost their virginity way before i did i was fine with that it's funny all the really really christian girls in high school that were pentecostal mm-hmm. lost their virginity when we were all in high school pentecostal is and the snake people it's really yeah weird, kind we didn't of have snakes. but not most of them mainstream pentecostal you snakes. were pentecostal yeah with the snakes no you don't have snakes, snakes. No, but you, with snakes. the speaking in the tongues yeah can you speak in tongues right now <laughs> <laughs> 
I could. <laughs> what is that? Was it? Was it a hundred? I was actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's basically. That sounds a little Indian. Is that really what it sounds like? Sometimes. My yeah. my brother Robert went to a Pentecostal church one time with a friend just to hang out, and like he ended up. He never should have admitted to my family that he ended up speaking in tongues. Oh, right. oh my god! Because my dad will not let it drop. That's... He's like, remember that time you spoke in tongues, you but, big old idiot. But most most religions have some you know section of it that that does that i know i saw that on survivor last week boxy just started speaking in weird tongues and everybody else was like what's she doing i have never seen anybody speak in tongues in my life what wasn't that what didn't tina tanner but i mean the spirit could take you over at any moment you know right well and it's also it's 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 like a thing where you're you're not really putting your uh feelings into words right it's so you're you're bypassing language and it's more of a uh, just a an emotional. It sounds. It's, it's kind of like chanting Om when you're. Yeah, right. like Tina Turner, but right. it sounds like verbal diarrhea. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like I was. I can't totally poo poo it because I do feel like. <laughs> I was, nice callback. <laughs> yeah, I do feel like I was completely filled with the Holy Spirit the night that my bulimia was magically. Um, lifted from me, mm-hmm. which is always a story that is weird to tell, and people are always like, uh. but I'm like, serious, I've asked God to remove it in the most sincere way possible, and it just went away, and it had been a compulsive behavior for a long I'll time. I'll share something. I suffer from um, some sleep disorders. Mm-hmm. When I get really stressed out, I have, what's it called, um, sleep paralysis. Right. And the first time I had that, I thought it was like an alien invasion. Right. Kind of, That's like weird. in my brain, because it was so weird and if anybody's ever had that it's where like part of your brain wakes up but the other part that makes that paralyzes you when you sleep so that when you dream you don't sleepwalk and jump out windows yeah it's it's it's, you're you're awake but your body's awake but you can't move and you get this paranoid feeling like there's somebody in the room and you're too afraid to move because if you move then they're gonna know that you're not asleep it's really bizarre and um when i was in grad school i'd get that all the time because i'd just be so stressed out and so yeah yeah i've, I've had that where you like you wake up and you think you see a shape yeah like a person and you're just like i don't i can't and it's yeah. called like an incubus attack because you kind of have the feeling that there's a, like a weight i've had yeah. that feeling before but i'm curious so your sleep paralysis is the same as god removing my bulimia pretty you know? much okay. yeah <laughs> just checking <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, by the way, the secretly timid clip is the number one reason that this episode is going to carry an explicit tag. That doesn't bother me too much. It really doesn't. I just didn't want anybody to think that this one's got an explicit language tag because I'm talking about homosexuality. I don't believe there's any words that have come out of my mouth that would cross that line and, and earn the tag. But sharing freely and honestly what secretly timid has to say, well, you know, it's worth it to get those words shared. Because I've had an experience very similar to what Nan has described. In terms of saying, hey, my faith, people ask me, well, Greg, if you've got so many doubts about the Christian right, if the religious right annoys you so much, if you're so concerned about the direction that the church is going in, if you're changing congregations, you've got an entire spinoff podcast called Walk the Earth that's documenting that switch, well, why do you still believe at all? Well, I still believe for the same reason that Nan still believes. When you feel like God has worked directly in your life, then you don't need to question God's existence anymore. But the funny thing about it, when you look back on Janet from CTOBM, her I'm Sorry blog post, she got that feedback directly from somebody who was in the parade saying, hey, something really powerful happens when you're in the presence of people 
who confess their sin and ask for forgiveness. Something really powerful happens that you never forget in those circumstances. So, as I kind of thought at the time might occur, when I was listening backward to the raunchy baby-making episode of Secretly Timid, I came across later the one called Wu-Tang Soup, where my hopes had been confirmed that, like Nicole, like another friend of mine, Janet, that I met through the Geek Fights podcast, there are other Christians out there who think like I think. And it's very important that we speak to each other, because in the Venn diagram, we're part of a, rel- a relatively small sub-circle. Here's Secretly Timid again on an episode they called Wu-Tang Soup. So what podcast are we going to pimp out this week? Man. Um, inappropriate conversations. Yes, with Greg. With Greg, our friend Greg, who's probably lost a lot of respect for me this episode. <laughs> it, honey, have, like have you, this is not anything different than how you talk in every other episode. So, if he still had any respect for oh. you, I'm sure it's still intact. JK. <laughs> so what do you think about inappropriate conversations? We just had one. I like. I like. Sorry, <laughs> right, how, how can you join? I appreciate inappropriate. Um, I like. I like uh, inappropriate conversations, and I just like generally being friends with Greg on Facebook mm-hmm. because um, he's uh, putting forth sort of an alternative Christian viewpoint from the one that you hear about a lot of the time. And I know I've asked him this before because he has such a great like radio speak. And it's like, I don't know, like, yeah, yeah, I can't tell if he's just, if all this knowledge is pouring out of his brain or if he wrote all this out beforehand or what, but he does, I know he does edit the ums and yes and, you know, how natural people speak, but he does it so seamlessly because I used to do that the first couple of episodes before I was like, it's just too much time. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) That would take a lot of effort. I don't know. I don't feel like we say or yeah a lot. I don't know how you could edit. If if we edited out anything that was, quote, controversial, this show would be like five minutes long. (laughs) (laughs) The pod minute. We would read read the titles of the stories and that'd be it. (laughs) And this week we have a song by... (laughs) That would be it. Um, So anyway, I liked it. Did you listen to it, Brian? No, I listened okay. to. That's okay. I don't. I, I subscribed to it and then I didn't have a chance to listen. Well, that's fine. The last one I episode, I le- last le- episode I listened to was the lawn episode. Yes, that's what I listened to. It. And what sucks about this week is I haven't even listened to Game Night, guys, because I at work I haven't had a computer, so I, my whole schedule's been off. Because usually I do my work right. and have listen to podcasts all all week, but I haven't had that luxury this week. But I did listen to his show because. I love his show, and you should all. We'll have the link up for you to um, check out inappropriate conversations if you want a smart podcast. That's also entertaining. Yeah, much smarter than ours and different. It's just different than a lot of what other stuff you'll hear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he should be on the like the debate. I bet he was on the debate team. You think? Maybe Greg, were you on the debate team? Write us and let us know, or just leave us a because he's a good orator. Page is that the word orator? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a good speaker. <sighs> As I mentioned early on, there's just no way around this feeling a little bit egotistical because I'm sharing clips. Some of them are clips with me talking on other people's shows. 
Some of them are clips of other people talking about me. And of course, I've got examples where the feedback is positive. And the truth is, I don't have a lot of examples to choose from where the feedback is negative. There is a sin called pride that I need to resist as strongly as any other sin that I, I deal with, any other temptation I deal with. And this is an example of that. But that's a very different kind of pride from the other kind of pride that I'm talking about. For me, thinking through and actually placing mentally myself on the sidelines at such a parade with the I'm Sorry t-shirt on and a, and a, a banner or, or a poster that says, I'm sorry for being silent all these years. Um, that's a different kind of thing. That proud to know you statement is externally looking and not inter internally looking. It's not all about me. It's not about me at all. The funny thing is, years ago, I could have used that exact same expression. This really isn't about me as an excuse to not participate, as a reason to say, hey, I'll hang out here at the hotel. Let me know when you're back. Let me know when you're done. This time, I don't envision myself as being a let me hang out here in the hotel room, let me know when you're back kind of a person. People like Janet of Christians Tired of Being Misrepresented and others have shown me that I have a role to play and that, you know, Elton John may be right in his lyrics that sorry may be the hardest word, but I'm sorry could actually be two of the most important words. I could do it the way Janet did it. I could be saying sorry on behalf of people who in the past have done very hateful and harmful things. But to me, it's really more about saying, hey, I'm sorry I can't be there this year. But more, I'm sorry for any moments in my past that I wasn't there and that I should have been, that I didn't speak when I could have spoken. Because the words are, quite literally, on the tip of my tongue in a way that they've never been before. So, to everybody who participates in Pride 48 Las Vegas this week, the week I'm releasing this show, my prayers for you are a safe flight there, a safe flight home, the kinds of fellowship that I'm envisioning in my head that it exceeds my wildest dreams because my wildest dreams and expectations are clueless. I have no past experience that I can go on. I have no you know, template or blueprint that I can build upon. So have all the fun that I can possibly imagine, but do better. Have one hell of a lot more. Thanks for listening.
music by Kevin McLeod. Nerd Hurdles, where every week Jacob and Mandy will help you navigate the labyrinth of nerddom. Don't be afraid. But you will be. No, you won't. You will be. Nerd. This is simplysyndicated.com. Hey, Mandy. Have you heard about Simply Everything? Why, no, Jacob, I've not heard about Simply Everything. What is that? Simply Everything is the paid subscription service provided by Simply Syndicated. I love Simply Syndicated! Which features such great shows as Make It So and Movies You Should See, Do Ask, Do Tell, all the Federation shows like Starbase 66, Nerd Hurdles, The Masters of None. How do I sign up? Well, everything you need to know is at simplysyndicated.com slash everything. Everything? I love everything! For a mere £4.99 pence per month. Is that what it is? That's what it is. 99 pence? I don't know. I don't know how they say it. Like, £4.99. What about £4.99? £4.99, yeah. For under £5? <laughs> For under £5 of flesh. Not of flesh. That's not what they deal in in the UK? Uh, I don't think so. That's not what a pound is? It's not a pound of flesh? I think so. Everything I know about Shakespeare has led me to believe that a pound is a pound of flesh. Uh, yeah. No, that's in Venice. Oh, right. That's why we're not going to Italy Yeah. For, on vacation. Right. It's a streaming service, not unlike Netflix. Ooh. When you sign up, you can listen to everything Simply Syndicated has ever made. Whenever you want? Whenever you want. It's simply everything. Nerd, 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 nerd hurdles.